This episode of the Upland Nomads podcast is brought to you by Kuga Vest. Kuga Vest is a lightweight and durable vest made out of 1,000 denier cordura fabric. It protects the chest, back, side, and underbelly of your dog. It protects them from briars, fencing, stubble, vegetation, and anything else that can cause cuts, bruises, and scratches on your canine companion. Kuga Vest. Serious protection for the active canine. Check them out at kugavest.com. That is C-U-G-A-Vest.com. This episode is also brought to you by Fit and Fetch MD. Fit and Fetch MD is a dog supplement company that uses the benefits of CBD for your dogs. It can help prevent arthritis, reduce the severity and risk of seizures, reduce anxiety in your pets, increase appetite, and also helps fight against cancer. Fit and Fetch MD. Check them out at their website, fitandfetchmd.com. You are now listening to the Upland Nomads Podcast. Sit back and join us on our adventures. Welcome back to another episode of the Upland Nomads Podcast. I'm Mike and I'm joined here again by our other co-host Wyatt. And today we got something or someone special here for you. But first, before we get into that, I want to thank you all for showing support on our, not only just our podcast, listening to it and following it on Spotify, but also on our Instagram page, following along, giving us likes, leaving us comments, comments. It really means a lot to us. So kind of getting right into it, I guess I'm going to introduce who our special guest is today. So today we have Chris Ingram. He is the digital editor for Gundog Magazine and Wildfowl Magazine. So Chris, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks, guys. I appreciate having me on. Um, So my name is Chris Ingram, and I live currently in Vermont. I've been here about 10 years now, uh, originally from Wisconsin, and had my first exposure to the outdoors deer hunting. Um, I had just gotten my hunter safety uh, card there and went out that first season with dad, and uh, that's the year they found chronic wasting. Um, So kind of put a quick halt to my hunting adventures and Uh, I guess from there kind of went on through high school and college and got into some other things uh, as, as happens to young men, right. Um, You know, girls and sports uh, like that. But um, when I moved to Vermont about 10 years ago is when I kind of got back into the outdoors and I was going to go deer hunting, but the deer hunting here is not known for being very good. And so I was kind of scouting and then I learned about the wood ducks and waterfall and started to pursue them for a couple of years and just a few years ago picked up uh, the upland side of things so it's a great place to uh, be a hunter and an angler out here and just uh, really been enjoying all the Vermont outdoors has to offer. Why did you uh, what made you move to Vermont? Yeah, uh, so I like to say that I have a former life uh, working in environmental. I actually studied geology in school and um, had pretty cool experiences to travel around the West and worked in Alaska and so on, but kind of settled down and uh, placed a job out here. That's what brought me out here. And then uh, very shortly after I met somebody who became uh, later my wife. So you've been all over then? A little bit, man. And and, uh, the the nomadic adventures uh, continue for sure. What part of Wisconsin did you grow up in then? Uh, Milwaukee area. Nice. So you talked about like your job bringing you out there. Is that like the job that you got here at Gundog and everything? Uh, no, sir. I uh, originally was working in environmental as a consultant um, doing hazmat and spills and remediation type work. And uh, I was, uh, oh, six or eight years ago where I started taking up photography and, you know, really getting immersed in the hunting and um, over the years kind of took that hobby of photography and started to monetize it. Um, started a small business um, that I now call Featherwind Creative, um, doing a little kind of projects uh, for outdoor brands. Um, I still shoot weddings from time to time, um, just doing different digital marketing projects and started writing. And um, I guess, uh, you know, snowballed from there, just getting the experiences, building my portfolio, making connections. And uh, so just about a year ago, I actually placed this job with Gundog and Wildfowl. All right. That's so I know awesome. It's, oh, as I know it's one of my favorite magazines and I just actually visited Chris at the Gundog booth and signed up for a yearly subscription. 
Yeah, that was really cool to kind of, you know, started chatting and being able to meet, you know, face to face and shake each other's hands. Um, that was really cool. And um, we just we had a blast being at. Fest. I, said, I, I thought it was you. I felt bad because I was like, God dang, it looks like him. But I don't want to be embarrassed and be like, hey, are you so and so? And and have it not be because that would be really embarrassing so yeah 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 i i tell you though the the funniest thing for me was getting to this event having had made connections and contacts with people over the years right and like you know different manufacturers that we work with or different friends on social media and it's like what what's your instagram handle like i know we're friends and we're connected but you know we don't hardly recognize each other in person it's the weirdest yeah. thing so I, I i i'm with you on that too wyatt what what does your job entail at Gundog Magazine? Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I split my time between Gundog and Wildfall and the day to day is it's never the same day twice. Um, largely responsible with managing the websites. And so that's posting content that comes off of our magazine, goes up on the web. Um, I also uh, get to do some writing and content creation. So uh, articles, mm -hmm. videos, um, uh, Wildfowl podcast, um, and then working with our contributors who we hand out assignments to for some of this digitally exclusive type stuff as well. So does your uh, digital content hit the internet before your magazines go out? Uh, nope, it's the other way around. So uh, it comes Once into the magazine first. Um, okay. And then after a certain amount of time, we're able to post it onto the website. Yeah. So we're okay. certainly, you know, use that magazine as our flagship product. Um, you know, we, we like to have folks kind of get that book in hand and read through it. Um, but there's a lot of good how-to articles and features. Yeah. I've, that, uh, I've noticed that when I've looked on there, I mean, I know there's like, uh, I think there's something when you be, when you do have a subscription, you can, or maybe it's just an online subscription that you can unlock features on Gundog magazine. On yeah, website. for sure. That's a, that's a great point too. And, you know, um, one of the, the biggest things that w there's a lot happening at Gundog right now, as, as maybe you and a lot of our readers have noticed about a year ago, we went to this larger, um, bigger, bolder, brighter, perfectly bound 120 page magazine. Um, and in addition to that, the subscriber package now includes premium digital access onto our website. So we've got dozens of training videos um, from some of the, you know, country's leading trainers um, and we've got magazine back issues. So if you wanted to go back in time to read some of those issues that you've missed um, and then just some exclusive digital content. So we're really trying to add a lot of value. You know, I would say the most bang for your buck that you're ever going to spend being in the yeah. bird hunting dog world right now. Yeah, so no. with, with Gundog is, is Wildfall like a subsidiary? Are they like together, like partnered? Yeah, great question. So um, Gundog is largely pointing dogs, flushers, upland bird hunting, a little bit of the retriever and waterfall work. Um, I know they wild, had the, I think it was the waterfall edition of Gundog. Yes, but. that's right. Yep. October is the Gundog waterfall issue. Um, and then over at Wildfowl Magazine, that's, that's duck and goose hunting and retrievers. So um, both titles are actually owned by the Outdoor Sportsman Group. So if you guys are familiar with In Fisherman, Guns and Ammo, yep. uh, as well as the Outdoor Channel, Sportsman's Channel, we're all under that parent company. So is Gundog TV, uh, is that affiliated with gundog uh nope that's just a, a little bit of a kind of name commonality uh gundog okay. tv um is not necessarily officially uh affiliated with gundog but i i will um you know say that we are working on our own network television show that um okay. that should be kind of in development throughout this year okay sweet sweet yeah i know i was looking at a uh reading a couple articles, looking at some pictures and stuff that you took or you were credited for in an article. And I just have one quick question. This is probably coming from the older me, the waterfowl kind of <laughs> obsessed, I guess you could say. But in one of the pictures you were credited for in an article called like the five worst ways to call a shot. Um, I noticed that you had a picture of what looked like two quill lakes in there, like two quill oh, lake yes. geese, right? So I just wanted yep. to ask, where, did you end up shooting those geese or was it just for like a photo shoot or yeah. Yeah. Great question. That brings a lot back some memories. So um, that was actually uh, opening day of 2016 here in Vermont. Um, that was actually the first time I ever took my camera out on a hunt. And uh, the group we were with, 
um, shot a lot of birds that day. And we had, gosh, it was like one or two flocks of quill lake geese that came in. I think there was, I've got some more photos. There was like a family of four that came in and we ended up dropping them. That was a, a pretty memorable hunt. It uh, seems a bit unusual to get so many. I mean, we might've taken four to six quills that morning. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I know I, when I first saw the picture, I had to like click on it and like zoom in a lot and look, I'm like, Oh no way. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. That was pretty wild. Yep. For somebody that doesn't know anything about quill lakes geese, what is a quill lakes geese? Sure. So, um, don't quote me, but, uh, if we don't get this right, we'll have to write an article on it, but, uh, quill lakes is an area up in uh, Northern Saskatchewan. And I believe there's just some sort of like genetic variation or there's, uh, you know, this locality kind of produces birds that have more white, uh, white across their bellies, white on their heads, the tips of their, uh, uh, feathers and wings and like even like white on the different feet and yeah just a weird kind of anomaly really oh really that's sweet but definitely you know kind of a a sort of prize i guess or or a trophy bird of sorts for any hunter that gets to knock one down okay so you talked a little bit about uh your own brand featherwind creative you want to tell us a little bit about that Yeah, for sure. So uh, like I said, that's kind of what my entrance was into this outdoor media world. And um, I I still do a little bit of moonlighting, um, largely just on the side, uh, different digital marketing products, um, website design and maintenance, copywriting, photo, video projects uh, um, for outdoor brands. And and I work with some of uh, smaller companies here in Vermont. You still take, and you said you still take wedding pictures then? Yeah. I mean, that's uh gosh, it's just one of the surefire ways to still make money with a camera uh, in 2021, man. People still prioritize oh. spending their, their wedding dollars. Uh, you probably know this, Wyatt. I'm getting married. At- yeah. So I know <laughs> I say we couldn't go with anybody cheap, you know, so we're paying the nice, yeah. I mean, I don't even know what photographers cost. So yeah. I think it's a steep one. So. Yeah, it well, and I think it's good. You get what you pay for, and uh, uh, once the all the food is eaten and the decorations are put away, all you have are them photos, and so yeah, it's worth spending. Mm-hmm. I say we just don't have a videographer yet, so yeah, you yeah, might so be able to find thing. somebody. Well, you might just do a GoPro too, so yeah, that works. Kind of staying along that whole lines of like the photography and videography. Like, when did you like first become interested in it, like photography and videography and everything like that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I years ago used those little point and shoot cameras. And um, like I said, coming up uh, in college as a geologist, I'd take the little camera on trips. And um, I think I was taking selfies before they were really a thing, but just documenting the trips and that. um, But when uh, I moved to Vermont and started hunting, I didn't have a mentor. I didn't know what to do. I'll be honest, I started subscribing to Gundog and Wildfowl. And just paging through those magazines and just these captivating images, right? They're just reading these stories. It just, it really spoke to me. Um, And I took up the camera and it was one of those things that kept me out longer. It just deepened my passion uh, for the sport. And uh, it was really helpful to kind of meet people. Um, Usually had an open invitation to join somebody in the blind or tag along on a hunt with the camera. I'm feeling like almost the same way you are is I'm, we follow or why it kind of invited me, I guess you can say to follow these or join these pages on uh, Facebook. And there's always people posting pictures like in the off season. And I'm like, that kind of is getting me wanting to go out and buy a camera. My, my wife wants a camera camera already. And I'm like, well, maybe, you know, we could share one and in the off season, I can go out, take some pictures. I'm like, I think that's just like, like you said, it's a fun way to get out there and actually be almost like more engaged in the off season, everything like that. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And it's like, if you're coming up with dogs or you've got, you know, children or family members, it just, it captures that story. Right. I mean, it's great to have those memories and to, to do the storytelling, but the photos can just kind of enhance that. And uh, it's, it's, yeah, it's just nice to document our experiences. So going along with that, Chris, for somebody that's wanting to like get into photography, what's like a good starter camera that's not going to like break your bank. Yeah, great question. Um, and I, I think the biggest thing that I always like to tell people is you, you don't need to spend a lot of money, but also don't get um, so focused on, oh my gosh, is it Canon 
Sony, Nikon, you know, which brand, in my opinion, it's more about like understanding the features that you're looking for. I want to shoot photos. I want to shoot video and photos, or if you have any, you know, um, prior use with any system, it helps to start there. But every camera system is going to offer a lot of like basic cameras and packages that will help get you started. I mean, even used gear, I'm still constantly buying used gear, but I would say anybody that's looking to get started a couple hundred bucks. I mean, and that's even at the most, right. Uh, I'll be honest. My favorite camera that I still use is, uh, it's from 2005 and I'm, you can buy them on eBay for a couple hundred bucks now. So oh, yeah. it's, it's really, it's about what you make it. Right. And I mean, even those cell phones are getting really yeah. close to, you know, high quality, the megapixel count and premium features. So it's, it's oftentimes just about whatever camera you have on you. Maybe it's just your phone, right? Okay. I know we talked about like trying to do videos this coming fall with like GoPros. I wasn't sure how GoPros cameras were, so I wasn't sure if they uh, take decent photos either. So yeah, yeah. I think GoPros are great because you can really stick them anywhere um, and it gets you a unique perspective. And maybe if you combine that with some cell phone footage or Mike gets his DSLR camera, you know, you have a pretty robust video package there. Yeah, right. maybe. Well, go ahead, Wyatt. Sorry. Oh, I just think trying to run an Instagram account and everybody's got, you know, like professional photos nowadays. And I think that's what kind of helps your brand or image, I guess. Yeah, it, it definitely helps. But I, I tell you what, like the photos that people like the most of mine, in my opinion, are not the most technically sound or, you know, perfect exposure, composition, whatever. Yeah. But it's like it's about capturing that moment. Right. So it might be, you know, your dog's first retrieve or it might be your, you know, your significant other's first bird or something like that, that kind of the, the, the story aspect trumps technical perfection. You know what I mean? Yeah, I don't know if there's ever going to be a first bird for her. <laughs> I know. I've, oh, I've asked man. my wife before, and she just kind of said, I'm going to let you do your thing, and I'll stay here and do mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I said my fiance will just walk with or walk the road. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's what we do. That's awesome. We'll go out on an evening or something and let Riggs run around. And last year, we shot our first bird in front of her. So No, that's, that's great. I, I think however we can get our – our partners and families involved to, to support us is it's all a win. You know, I, my, my wife likes, we started kind of cooking wild game together and she had her first wild duck meal that she really enjoyed. Um, she's not ready to come out on the hunt with me either yet. And, and that's fine. I'll take what I can get. And so I did see your pictures of your wild game cooking. It looks great. Thank you. And like I said, I will not claim full credit for that. That's my wife. She's a, she's a culinary wizard for sure. Yeah, say I got a branch out on my my pheasant and sharp tail girls mm-hmm. cooking skills, but I say I, I just found found out uh, the best way to prepare a girl is just to cook it like a steak. So yeah, especially that you're talking like a sharpie, like that dark meat. Yeah, the dark, really dark meat. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so kind of going off like the camera and like photography and videography work. I know you kind of mentioned a little bit before about kind of like your hunting background, but uh, if you want to go like more in depth, kind of asking like where and like what i guess like specifically did you start hunting and i know you kind of got into fly fishing and fishing i guess yeah for sure um like i said i think those first encounters being out in the deer woods with my father when i was young really just sparked my interest and i did boy scouts and enjoyed being in the outdoors um like i said my my hunting was cut really short when they found the chronic wasting disease and you know late onset hunter adult onset hunter what whatever you want to define it. Um, I just, I think I was just seeking connection and, um, you know, something kind of, uh, like a personal relationship with the outdoors, something that I can make my own. I'm a very spiritual, um, man and, you know, I connect with the creator and, and his works out there, but I just kind of enjoy like the active it's, it's interesting to be a bird hunter and to kind of, you know, consume the resource, but also conserve it. It's a pretty like neat relationship. I feel that's bestowed on us. You're talking about CWD and we got some of that in Minnesota. I know the Southeast corner where I guess I hunt Minnesota deer, but did you close it or is it like a lottery system for tags? 
Yeah. So basically like in my experience, the area that my father and I were hunting was right where they first found it in Wisconsin. So like for us, it was like, well, you know, like pandemic scared, like we got to wait to see what happens with this all. Yeah. Um, and then, like I said, I just kind of aged out, moved on and never, never really got back into it. And I'm not entirely sure what's happening in Wisconsin with that now. Yeah. So did you grow up, you didn't grow up upland hunting at all in Wisconsin, like rough grouse or. No, you know, I, I, and you guys got some of the best. I know. I know. I, I mean, waterfall hunting, uh, upland hunting and, and fishing. I did, I did a little bit of fishing, um, pond fishing and that at home as a youngster, but no, it was when I got out here into the Northeast and really got big into it. So I guess I need to make some trips back home. <laughs> your parents still live there then or uh in the summertime they do they in have summertime? Uh, yep and then they winter and as snowbirds down in florida lucky them yeah right except for this winter it hasn't been that much warmer <laughs> but uh i i thinking that there might be some kind of unique bird hunting opportunities down in florida what's that uh there's some decent waterfall hunting from what i see i got a, a buddy uh down on the on the gulf coast there lots of lots of divers puddle ducks um, and there's some pretty obscure upland birds like snipe and moorhens. Um, I'm sure they get some of those rail birds down there too. Mm. I just, I, I really like kind of that obscure type thing. I actually um, got into upland hunting here, chasing woodcock. And um, I had a wood duck spot that I used to go and jump birds, jump the ducks on. And I started to see these little timber rockets and was like, well, wow, you can hunt those. Like that looks great. Yeah. <laughs> And then um, I got turned on to snipe hunting uh, probably a year or two ago here. And um, that's an enjoyable wing shooting adventure for sure. For our listeners, like how, how was snipe hunting? Like we don't have that. So. Uh, yeah. I don't know. I wonder if there might be a few snipe kicking around there. Um, they, I believe in, in most areas they'll inhabit kind of like marshes and like lake shores, swampy areas, what I found where I find them here is kind of, you know, those muddy edges. Um, they're a migratory bird and yeah. I think they got pretty decent populations around. You just don't hear about it. Right. Like, yeah, it's not a pheasant or a gross. Like, nah, man. And I mean, I don't, I don't know what it is that, that compels people to, to chase certain birds over certain other ones. I, I don't know, but you're missing out like anybody that doesn't hunt them yet. Um, they're, they taste good. They, they do. Absolutely. Um, you got to shoot a few to kind of make a meal, but yeah. they, they're a real challenge wing shooting. They get up in front of you and zigzag around. And sometimes there's in singles or doubles. Like it's great fun. So that's what I'd say about looks the most challenging about rough girls and shooting woodcock because well, for one, I haven't shot one since I was probably 12 when I used to live up in Northern Minnesota. And those were pretty easy because they were literally in our backyard. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it always looks, I mean, I don't know how people do it because I don't like walking. wouldn't want, want to go walk through the woods and get whacked in the face with three branches. And <laughs> Yeah, it's, uh, you got to be a bit of a glutton for punishment, I, I think, to be a, a grouse hunter. It, it's a challenge, right? I, I mean, I think that's why some folks will call them the, the king of the game birds. Do you chase any other? Is there any other like subspecies of grouse up in Vermont, like spruce? and? Yeah, good question. So we have we have rough grouse. Um, we, we do have a small population of spruce grouse, but they are state and federally protected. There's, there's not okay. a sustainable population here. Um, so we're hunting grouse. Like I said, the woodcock. Um, I find the snipe. And then uh, we have pretty decent waterfall hunting here actually we got lake champlain it borders new york and quebec um lots of dark geese um, we get a little bit of the snows that's more so in uh, new york state but lots of puddle ducks diver ducks and um i've got a local pheasant preserve that i also uh, like to go and hunt um but that uh, oh and i love small game hunting too um squirrels that's saw, rabbits that's i saw rabbits on your instagram page yeah i just i just love being in the woods. Um, I love walking with my shotgun and with some friends and, and, you know, procuring some wild game meat to eat. So do you have your, do you have a dog then, Chris? Oh, I was waiting for this question. Uh, 
Uh, so I do not currently have a traditional gun dog. Um, my wife and I do own, or I've rather this dog owns us. It's uh, Greta. She's a 15 year old little toy poodle. And so she, uh, she actually surprised us when she picked up a woodcock that I was getting ready to clean this last uh, fall here. So she has it in her genetics, uh, but I think she's a, a little too uh, tiny to take out in the woods. That's what my dog so looks like too right now. <laughs> oh yeah. Yes. Yeah, she's, she's a little ball of energy. That, that yeah. is also true. Yeah. A little American Cocker Spaniel. I think when we first took her out, she was 17 pounds and the pheasants were bigger than she was. <laughs> so, uh, Getting back to kind of going with gun dog. So do you get to travel around the country hunting, taking pictures with gun dog? Yeah, for sure. So I, I get assignments from time to time. Um, you know, we, we do some editorial projects. We work with some of our advertisers, uh, you know, testing out new gear and, and talking about that. So I've usually got to get the camera with me to shoot some some photos and some videos and kind of write up a story. So uh, there's definitely a couple times a year. Um, that we get to get out and do that and been very blessed to go on some pretty, pretty fun trips. Yeah. Some of those trips include uh, fly fishing trips. Um, not necessarily. Um, I suppose if there's a, a little extra time and we get to go to some of these places like out West where, uh, boy, I, I think it'd be worth packing in a pole, you know, to, to throw a line if I get some extra time. Say so getting into fly fishing, what do you guys fly fish up in Vermont? So I think we're certainly known for our trout streams, um, okay. but I find it pretty challenging to, to dig up the trout. So I've actually gravitated toward um, uh, fly fishing for bass and pike and panfish. And it's pretty neat because really you can, you can throw flies for, for any type of fish mostly. Oh, really? um, oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's different sinking line and, and weighted flies, you know, you could go for catfish or walleye or, you know, whatever, um, uh, for some reason, it's just in our heads and in our culture that it's trout, trout, trout. But, um, there's a couple guys up here that will, you know, fly fish for lots of different species, musky, uh, the pike, but, uh, it's just, I think there's more opportunity and especially for a beginner, I'm on that realm that, um, it's easier to get some of those other species. So you just started fly fishing when you went to Vermont then, or is that, yeah, for sure. And and probably it's only been within the past five years or so. I think it was one of those things uh, I knew I had to get into at some point. We're so fortunate. And where I live here in Middlebury, Vermont, um, there's some world-class or, you know, very top performing, you know, trout streams right in my backyard. So it was just a matter of time before I got into it. So we don't have those around here. We got lake trout if you want to drive. Yeah, and almost yeah. the stuff that I've ever, I got into and I'm a very early beginner in fly fishing i got in about three years ago and the only trout you could really ever try to find was either stocked in a pond usually meant for kids or they stock some in a river somewhere and i was really about it got a lot of bluegills though <laughs> yeah yeah well it's fun and i mean sometimes those even those little gills you know on a, on a line really make you feel like you got a monster on the end of it that's true so i guess one of the biggest questions here coming from you know fly fishing do you tie your own flies uh, I have tied a few, boy, that's uh, something I've just struggled with. I get, well, I haven't, I haven't put a lot of time in it, um, in all, all truth and honesty, but, uh, I, I, I'll twist up some woolly buggers from time to time. Um, that's probably my favorite fly. Uh, gosh, I mean, I can throw those for, for trout, for, for bass and pike. And, you know, it's a pretty versatile fly. They're relatively easy to tie and no, they work pretty good. With that, you know, you kind of talk about different species that you have targeted before, but what's like, what's like your favorite species of fish to target while fly fishing? I guess, I guess bass, you know, because it's, you get out there in the kind of late spring, early summer, um, they're, they're pretty active, um, you know, most of the day. And it's kind of like that first time to get out. Um, it, it's nice uh, to, to float around. I do a lot of kayak fishing. Or, or even too, like you can just do wet wading in some of the streams. It's just, man, it just, I think bass fishing is just synonymous with like spring, summer, warm weather. Say so Michael, Michael's the bass fisherman of the group. So I've done some in the past, not much lately, but uh, I don't, for me when I was bass fishing, I really enjoyed like even small, I guess a pound and a half, you know, bass, largemouth were like fighting like they were five pounds. That's something that you like about them too, is the fight that they have in them. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I got, um, 
a few smallmouth streams and we do pretty well in the smallies in Champlain as well. And I mean, pound for pound, those smallmouth are, are pretty tenacious fish. They're a lot of fun. So going along with that, uh, mentioning pheasant fist. So you were at the gun dog booth, but were you swinging around other booths and everything that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, it was a great opportunity to, like I said, kind of meet some, uh, some folks that I had connected with online over the years and kind of put a face to a name. And, um, and one of the things that we like to do whenever we can is, is to create content, you know, to share the news of the events and, and to show the support for all those folks that we work with. So I uh, was hanging out at the booth, kind of meeting people like yourselves come up and say hi, um, as well as just kind of work in the floor. And uh, it was, it was an awesome time. So I know we saw you at the end of the day at the hunt ready booth again, but yeah. Well, I'm sure yep. if you're taking pictures or. Oh yeah. Yeah. Be um, posting some videos uh, probably within this next week or so. So did you get to go around like all the booths or were you working most of the time? Yeah. I kind of a, a mix of, uh, you know, just doing some, some personal hellos and, and doing some business kind of working like that. And uh, I think I'd need at least two weeks to be able to go and speak with everybody, but it was just right. kind of you know, doing the best you can with the time that you got. Yeah. I think Michael and I and our buddy Sal spent, uh, what, eight hours there? We were there from about 10 to almost six. Yeah, no, I, I think every time we went, walked around the place, we're like, oh, crap, I didn't even know this was here. Just like I was looking for Gundog all day. And by the fourth or fifth time, I was like, oh, maybe I should just look in the book where it's at because I keep walking by it if I do. Yeah. But uh, what, what did you guys think of it? For first time, I, I, it was a blast. It was fun seeing all the dogs and just being able to just talk with people about like a the same common interest. You know, it was kind of try. surprise for me too. Like there was a lot of people there. Like not surprising, but like it was so cool to see that there was that many people that share like a common passion with you and everything. And I know that going back to the dog thing, if my wife wouldn't have told me to, uh, you know, just think about before you spend money, I, uh-huh. there would have been a chance I would have tried to buy like every single puppy I saw. Mm-hmm. It's, it could be dangerous over there but no i agree i mean i think most of the times that this bird hunting is such a small niche uh but then when you when you get into an area i think they said about twenty two thousand people this year um which really shows you there's there's a lot of people in the in the space so did you go to the banquet too on saturday or did you know didn't didn't get to go to the banquet um you know, didn't get to do kind of much of the, uh, you know, extra type events, but it was uh, kind of an opportunity for us as gun dog to, to spend some time with each other to kind of talk through some things, you know, we all work and live remotely. Um, so it's, it's always a, a big plus for us when we get together to kind of work some business things out like that. So what was your, besides gun dogs booth, what was your favorite booth that you visited over the weekend? Um, I don't really have a favorite, but, um, it was, it was nice to just see a really diverse, um, you know, group of, of folks, uh, from, uh, you know, gun, gun dog brands and products to some of the dogs to, um, I noticed there was like, uh, like habitat organizations and tourism organizations and some like non-traditional hunting groups. Um, so it was really unique, like, networking and you know marketing opportunity for me um you know thinking about editorial stories and connections and yeah just a very valuable experience i said there's people not even having to do with upland hunting that we were talking to we talked to a couple from south dakota that ran a fishing charter and we talked to them for a while talked to a guy from arkansas and just the fellowship you have with people with the same i guess like-minded interests makes the day just go quick i mean we we're there it didn't feel like we we're there for eight hours but we were there for eight hours yeah it's kind of amazing to kind of realize how many people are kind of just open to conversation about anything because i know the guy from arkansas we talked about college football right we also talked about different breeds of dogs uh we talked about specific booths like oh hey let's talk about uh what gear are you selling whether it be like vests and everything like that and all of a sudden get into oh here's some hunting stories we had from the past and just talk about that it was kind of like really unique to be able to just conversate with all those different people about basically anything yeah for sure it really shows you like that close connection and you know it's nice when 
uh, we, we can find our commonalities and set our differences aside. And I would say there's definitely a movement toward that people being more supportive and, and welcoming. So with that, what's it like working a booth? <laughs> it was, uh, I'm not, I mean, it's, it is work, you know, uh, sitting at the booth and, and our objective as Gundog was to, um, you know, sell subscriptions, but also talk about our expanded, uh, subscriber delivery. Um, it was super cool to hear from folks, you know, young and old, we're 40 years old as Gundog. So this yeah. lasting legacy, but just, you know, again, working the floor and shooting video and running around. I mean, it's, uh, I was re- ready for <laughs> a little bit of a break. I bet. I, bet. I mean, I was, a. Uh... I think any booth was going to see a stupid amount of people that day. So yeah. on Saturday, at least when we were there, Saturday was busy. Sun- I don't know about Sunday, but it looked pretty quiet on Sunday. Yeah. Sunday was, was definitely a little bit quiet and I think the weather had warmed up. So maybe, you know, folks uh, took to the outdoors or maybe just wanted to head home early. I don't know. Yeah. Well, if we wouldn't have to head home early, we we're going to hit the, the golf course on Sunday. Yeah. Cause it was supposed to be like almost 70. So yeah, it's pretty nice. Yeah, so kind of coming in, I don't know, you said you kind of listened to maybe a couple of podcasts before before you came on, but you're probably familiar with the thing we do at the end of, but we kind of have a rapid fire question. So I got five kind of picked out for you, and I want you to, you don't have to answer fast. You can take your time when answering them, but, you know, I just got five straight in a row for me, kind of like bang, bang, bang. So the first one I got for you is, uh, what's your favorite bird to hunt? And it doesn't have to be just a plant, it can be any bird. Uh, you know, I'll probably answer the woodcock. Um, it's, it's the bird that got me into the uplands, um, you know, became an upland hunter and, um, we're, we're really lucky here in Vermont. We've got a a good, um, kind of resident population of woodcock as well as migration that comes through. Um, when I was previously working for Vermont fish and wildlife, I got the opportunity to get in on a banding project and it's part of this larger uh, cooperative study here in the Northeast. So I got to kind of capture and hold and, uh, you know, spend a little time with some of these little birds, but, uh, I, I think they'll just always kind of captivate me. They're so mysterious and, and charming. And yeah, I just, I love them. We're, we're getting into the time here where they'll probably be coming back, um, for their, their spring nesting season and, you know, seeing their aerial displays and, and hearing them is just, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit so, of a of love affair, I guess. So going with that, they're a migratory bird. bird. When does uh, your season like open and end? Yeah, for the woodcock, it's um, the last Saturday in September through kind of middle of November. It's like six weeks long. So it's a very, yeah. sh- very short season. And I think that's it's part of it too, man. It's like that that summer love fling that you have as a young man or or, or young girl. You fall in love and it's like so bittersweet. It's so 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 much love quick and then it's gone and it's like that's my story with the woodcock yeah i guess ours ours i guess pheasant isn't that long in north dakota it's middle of or second week of october to last week of december yeah never long enough no never long enough do you have any recommendations or tips for anybody that kind of hasn't gotten into woodcock hunting but kind of maybe wants to try it Oh, 100%. I mean, again, kind of being dogless is uh, the woodcock really lend themselves to a dogless hunter. Um, all you need is a pair of boots and a shotgun. You know, finding the right habitat um, is is key. Um, kind of wet, moist soil area so they can probe for their earthworms, but kind of early forests that early successional growth. I find them a lot around like swampy areas. Um, but you just kind of slowly walk and stalk. You kind of get ready. And usually when I stop is when they'll take a, to a flush there. But uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty kind of low barrier to get into woodcock hunting. What's your favorite non-upland bird to hunt? I guess it would probably have to be waterfall. And uh, I, I, I like shooting wood ducks. Um, and I hope I don't take too much heat. But I, you know, I do a little kind of jump shooting like they don't decoy as much and where we are sometimes it's like kind of all you see up in the mountains. And so, you know, I'll just like walk creeks and small waters. And I mean, they take you, take me to some pretty cool places. And, you know, if you get one or two, it's kind of a nice little meal. 
Go ahead. Honestly, I got no, I have no judgment with uh, jumping birds. I did my fair share of that in college when we were, didn't have enough money to buy enough decoys per se to try to decoy in some snow geese or anything like that. And we'd go find them in a field, try to jump them, find them in a pond, try to jump them. Yeah. I mean, you know, you, I don't know, you save the the purism for whoever else, but it's like, as long as you're being kind of safe and responsible and ethical, it's yep. like, you know, who cares? I'm not going to say that my way of hunting is better than anyone else's and you know, to each their own, I guess. So yeah, exactly. So going to question two, what is your favorite bird dog or just any kind of dog that you hunted with? Hmm. I've, I've had the opportunity to hunt behind many different dogs. Um, it's, it's hard to pick. I, I guess personally, as I'm in this search now for my first gun dog, I've definitely gravitated towards the flushing breeds. Um, I, I really like the Labrador. I like the Springer. Um, I'd like to hunt behind a little cocker. I hear them are ferocious, you know, little hunters. Um, I, the pointers are cool. They're, they're stylish. Um, I got one buddy here that has uh, a pair of Bracco Italianos and they're just really fun to watch because they kind of trot, uh, you know, through the woods. They're, they're kind of slow yeah. and methodical. Well, that's what Ron Bame from mm-hmm. the, the hunting dog podcast and meat eater has. Yeah. But it's definitely hard to, uh, hard to, hard to pick a bad dog right i could tell you now though not trying to persuade you in any way but hunting behind a cocker is pretty fun oh. it's just the energy that they kind of put off while they're hunting too kind of gets onto you a little bit i guess like it rubs off on you and you get more and more excited about it that's so cool i said my dog is a i have a german short hair so but i used to have growing up i used to have a chesapeake so he was a he was a big uh no, he was a very good dog <laughs> they're pretty tough was, dogs so they're good hunters he, he was and i i waterfall hunted a little bit when i was like that's what like getting into it because my grandpa did it but yeah he didn't have any he was a lazy farm dog so mm-hmm. all right so question number three here for us what is your best hunting memory oh man i uh i'm striking out on kind of these you know single explanations but um what I've really come to enjoy is, is just like more simple experience uh, simple outings, right? It wasn't the, the, the limit days or the, you know, bang them up days, but, you know, it was like getting my first grouse with kind of my mentor here in Vermont. Um, last season, I, I drove all the way to Southern Indiana to shoot my first Bob white quail. Um, (laughs) so just like, that that was a 2,500 mile turn. (laughs) But just like that, that adventure, man, you know, it's, and like the adventure could be out your back door and it could be across the country, but I think it's just like, I don't know, there's just something about like chasing down that experience. So, so really kind of just these like shared experiences with friends or like maybe somebody I meet for the first time. So go taking along with that kind of hunting. What's your favorite outdoor shoot that you've done? Like photography shoot. Oh, Wow. Uh, I mean, I've just, I've been really blessed to have a lot of opportunities to work with some of these outdoor brands and um, I'll be really lucky and say that sometimes like the elements, the weather, the conditions just like came together favorably, you know, when you're out there and you only get one, one chance to do this, if the weather and the lighting sucks, like, you know, you're, you're kind of SOL, but like, I know there was, there was one day I had it was the last day of the woodcock season buddy and I were out there after our hunt we had to do a product shoot and I just the gods were looking down on me because the the conditions were so perfect the lighting like it just really came together and you know it's just one of the best kind of sets in my portfolio was that the one that on Instagram with a dog and a kooka vest um it wasn't that one particular but but that was definitely it where you know I was out was out there and it's like, you know, Hey, just like, stop where you are. Like you don't move yeah. like this. This is it. The lighting is perfect. And I, I mean, that's kind of like what I enjoy about hunting with the cameras, you know, you're hunting for the lighting, you're hunting for that perfect composition. How do you, so I don't know how to say this, but how do you choose like, okay, I'm going to shoot with the camera today. I'm going to get a walk with the camera. I'm going to walk with a gun today. Like how uh, do you, so I, I don't choose cause that is tough. So I, I usually just bring both. Um, okay. I I'll throw the camera gear in, you know, inside the vest or a backpack. Um, or, um, I've got a plate that I can kind of keep it on the front of my vest to be ready to go off and shoot. 
And uh, I, I always get burned, you know, sometimes when I needed to shoot the gun for that bird that got up in front of me or, yeah. or I, I had the camera away and, and something, you know, epic and unforgettable happened. But uh, it's just like it's just like hunting. You know, you'll, you'll have another opportunity. You just wait to get out there the next time. It'd be so tough for me because I like carrying my gun and <laughs> I'll get the picture at the tailgate, which usually doesn't turn out very good anyway. But was it pretty much like on the spot kind of like as you're walking like oh the light right here is perfect i'm gonna get my camera ready so just in case something happens yeah i'll do that and 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 again sometimes if it is like a dedicated photo shoot i'll just be carrying the camera and and some of it um i don't want to say staged but you know you'll kind of walk through something or um there's a bit of kind of spontaneity as well it just just depends on what we're trying to get so going off that too what's like your best i guess fishing memory that you have you know, I, I, there was, uh, one of them first woolly buggers that I tied and I caught that smallmouth on them. That was a, a pretty, pretty unforgettable moment, you know, just to have, uh, I'm sure there was a few that got tossed out before that, but it was finally something I got that was slightly resembled a woolly bugger and was able to throw it out there and have something neat on it. And that was a, that was a good one. That's gotta be like a satisfying feeling knowing like, Hey, I tied that fly. I caught that fish. It, it is a hundred percent. And I mean, I don't think it wears off much. It's, it's still a thrill, you know, I just to be able to say that I did that myself. Yeah. So going with our last question here for you, what are you most looking forward to this upcoming 2022 season? Do you have like any trips planned? Yeah. So one of the, th- one of the things that I'm very interested in now, again, going down that obscure passion for birds is I want to get on a rail hunt. And um, would like to do it with some dogs, um, you know, Sora, Sora rail that kind of inhabit some of the marshy areas. Um, I've got a couple contacts, a couple feelers out there. And, um, you know, it might just be a personal hunt. It might might turn out to a work hunt. But um, I'd like to put that on on the books. And um, I guess the only other thing is that um, I'm, I'm working on a project for a gun dog. Uh, it's kind of a short film series, uh, documentary type of sorts. Uh, I won't say too much, but uh, other than, you know, probably in the next few weeks, we'll be kind of teasing that out on our social and, and YouTube and things like that. But uh, that was uh, probably some of the biggest things. And then, you know, if I have an opportunity to get a new hunter out, um, I always like to try to do that as much as I can just show somebody what that looks like, whether they want to come out and shoot or just uh, walk along. Yeah. Have you been to North Dakota? I have not. We'll have to get you out so, and shoot us. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We could do that. We, we, we can get you on all three species, in North Dakota. Yeah, I'm going to that. Yeah. That sounds great. And you might get some snow geese and, honkers migratory down too might have to spend a few days then i see yeah i say we've had we had one spot where we saw literally almost every besides and there was quite a few mallards too i guess up in one part of north dakota one weekend yeah you know i had to snap or text my buddy here the other day he's big into waterfowl hunting taking my dog out last night and heard some geese honking i'm like oh those don't sound like canada's and it was a little dark outside, but I was looking up in the sky and really not paying attention to my dog, I guess. But saw two flocks of snows fly overhead and, and I'm up, you know, in North Dakota. I'm like, oh, I didn't think they're up this high yet. So maybe they're just, you know, early in the migration, some of them or anything. But I had to text my buddy. I'm like, hey, they're on their way. And I tell you what, he was so excited. He's like, I'm planning to go out in two days. Yep. Yep. Says so that time of year. So we saw them in Nebraska coming back. But one last question for you. Oh, I kind of asked us a few times now but uh what's uh what gun are you shooting right now on what's like your dream gun Chris? oh boy oh man see i i've just been more of a utilitarian kind of guy so um i i shoot a stevens 555 in a 28 that's kind of that's the gun i started shooting this year and i really like that um still kind of like to find uh you know a heavier load to to knock down some pheasants and some grouse but you know the small smaller birds in a small game it 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 does it all Uh, you know i'm not quite ready to make the transition to a uh, side-by-side i think it'd be cool to kind of try out yeah i I don't know if i have anything else on the wish list really and say we both actually how do you like the stevens 555 because we're both looked at getting one you know 20 20 gauge i guess for me but 
Sure. Uh, I, th- I think it's a great gun. I mean, it's, it's a solid performer. It's, I don't want to say no frills, but it's got all of what you need and nothing that you don't. Um, like I said, as a Northeast grouse hunter, you know, getting beat up by the timber, um, for, mm-hmm. for me, it just, I don't need anything ornate or fancy. Um, I think everything beyond that is just fit and finish, uh, you know, for somebody's personal style. So, yeah, let's say, I know we've tried them out in the, at Shields here and, in north dakota and i like them they're super light and actually my brother bought a 20 gauge this past year and i shot it at pheasants late in the season and it was i was expecting because i think it's like five and a half pounds the 20 yeah. gauge yeah it's super light i was like oh gosh this thing's gonna kick clicking you know <laughs> no no it does not i was shooting four, four shot too so it wasn't even like it was a small load so i was yeah. pretty impressed yeah no for sure i think it's a great value and it's just said solid performer I know you were talking about side by side there. Did you ever get a chance to uh, sneak out from the booth and pick up some of the side by sides that are at Pheasant Fest there and give them a little shoulder and everything, see how they feel? Yeah, there there might have been a little bit of that going on. I want to love a side by side, but it just doesn't feel comfortable to me. I guess. No, I, I'm with you there, man. I I just uh, I, I think it looks cool, but but for me, it's just uh, I like my stack barrel. I'm used to shooting an automatic, so or semi-auto and it feels the same or somewhat the same. It doesn't have two triggers either. So not to worry. Yeah. About. Yeah. I don't know if I could get used to that double trigger. The grip is a little different. That whole sight picture. Uh, just, I don't, yep. I don't know. Not, not there yet. Yeah. Maybe down the road, I'll probably get mm-hmm. one. but a 28 gauge in a, in a side by side would be pretty sweet. Yeah. We'll get there someday. Yeah. Chris, I want to thank you for coming on and joining us with us, joining with us today here. Uh, I had a blast kind of conversating with you and learning from you, hearing more about you and kind of your background and everything. But uh, before we get kind of closing on, I guess, hundred percent, I just want to let you know, is there anything Instagram you want to plug for our listeners here to give you a follow? Yeah, for sure. Appreciate that. Uh, I'll certainly like to have folks check out Gundog Mag and Wildfowl Mag on, on the websites and, and social media. And then my personal account is chris.ingram802 on instagram and then chris ingram on facebook if you'd like to follow along as well and then he also has his own instagram page as well featherwind creative yep that's right yep you can find featherwind on the web and on social media as well okay yeah just so our listeners know chris got lots of great pictures so be sure to give him a follow appreciate that thanks guys thank you sure so uh thank you guys for uh listening through the podcast uh means a lot to all of us and you know, go follow Chris on Instagram and go uh, get some subscriptions to Gundog and Wildfowl there. And also give us a follow on uh, Upland Nomads podcast on Instagram. And hopefully there'll be more to come for you here soon. So thanks again for listening. Mm-hmm.